Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome on into the show. It is it is December twenty first, two thousand and fifteen. Here on the Hoopers Lock, episode thirty four of your daily series here on CLNS Radio in the FanDuel Studios at three two three six four two one five five eight. A jam packed weekend of basketball. It was a nutso weekend of basketball. I'm telling you, it was crazy from the standpoint of we had wipe over the performances. We had a four overtime. Yes, four. Overtime basketball game. Yes. Can you say it again? Yeah. It was the score, the final score. Think, look at, listen to this, people. The final score to this ball game, I believe, was 147 to 143, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was nuts between the Bulls and the Pistons. And obviously, we have our main man, Andrew Norris on the line. We'll get to him in just a moment. 147-144, my apologies. <laughs> that is that is a nutso score. Uh, four overtimes. There were five wipe-over-worthy performances in that one. There were a lot of wipe-over-worthy performances over the weekend. Um, again, we're going to get into most of this stuff. The college basketball rankings have just come out. We're going to talk about those in just a moment. But we're going to get to this four-overtime game. And say, Andrew, what's up, man? How you doing? You feeling better? Uh, I'm, feel- I'm feeling a bit better. Still not tip-top shape, but, uh, you know, this weekend helped me recover a bit, you know, that four overtime game, Star Wars, it was, it was a good weekend, you know, some negatives, That's um, but for the most part, all positive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you're not going to give us a spoiler alert, but, uh, that was a, uh, that was, that was quite the movie that you saw there over the weekend. How, what was the gross money that they made over the weekend in that one? I, I don't know what they made over the weekend. I do know pre-ticket sales. Mind you, this is <laughs> this was about two weeks before the movie was even in theaters. They made fifty million dollars in pre-ticket sales. That's just abs- That's just insanity at its finest, right there. I mean, I don't know at the end of the way to say it, but that's just absolutely insane when it comes to money. One million dollars. They. they, <laughs> they they got $250 million opening weekend. Good Lord. That's absolutely that's that's absolutely insane. I don't know any other way to say it, but that is that is seriously uh, just crazy amount of money. I, I have no other way to say it, but that's just insane. $250 million for one movie for the comeback of Star Wars. Can you say... Emmy Awards, Oscar Awards, everything. You can. There's going to be awards given out for this movie all over the place just based upon the fact of the fandom of Star Wars over the weekend. Boy, it was crazy, and it was also a crazy weekend of basketball. Andrew, you ready to get this going? Uh, let's go, man. Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Uh, just, I mean... Like I said, an incredible weekend of basketball. So much to get to. So many things to talk about. Uh, the first thing we must get hit hit upon is this four overtime basketball game uh, between the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons. Again, it was one forty-seven to one forty-four. The Detroit Pistons got the victory, and they still had three foul outs in that fourth overtime. It was one of those games where if you weren't watching this one or at least saw a portion of it, you missed 
a serious boatload of NBA history. There were five whiteboard performances in this one. DeAndre Drummond, excuse me, Andre Drummond, huh, DeAndre Drummond, Andre Drummond, 33 points, 21 rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks, a 65 on the whiteboard performance skill performance of the night by far in the world of the NBA on Friday. Reggie Jackson, Friday the 18th, excuse me. Reggie Jackson, 31 points, 13 assists, six rebounds, a 63. Pau Gasol, 30 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, and five blocks. And then Jimmy Butler with 43 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks. And then Derrick Rose with 34 points, eight assists, and four rebounds. Derrick Rose with a 54, Jimmy Butler with a 59, Paul Gasol with a 60, and Reggie Jackson with a 63. You're going to see a lot of those whiteboard performances when you have a four-overtime basketball game. Andrew, I know you were I – know, I know you were watching Star Wars when this happened, and you were getting ready to watch it before this game ended because it was so long. But what did you see from this one? I know you saw most of the game. What did you see from this one in regulation and going into those other overtimes? What was your take on this one? Yeah, this was uh, a crazy night. I'm just going to tell the the whole story, and then I'll get into the take on the actual game. Uh, So, you know, the game started at 8 o'clock or 8.30, one of the two here in Eastern time. And, uh, you know, I have – much you guys know I bring her up on the show all the time. I have a girlfriend who really there's a place by us it's called downtown Rochester. Just a small little town where they put up a ton of Christmas lights and all the girls want to go there and I've been promising to take her there for years and I haven't so I was like, Okay, we'll go but we gotta hurry because the pistons are on. Um so the first half, you know, I'm trying to watch it in this restaurant. The score is all blocked by this light. I'm just kinda of sneaking it in the corner. Uh, you know, so I'm watching the game without having any idea what the score is or however many points, stats. Uh, so, you know, I'm on my way home, and the second half starts when I get home. I watched the second half, and it wasn't slow-paced. Uh, the third quarter was pretty slow-paced, only 44 combined points from both teams. Uh, you know, and and they they ended the, the third quarter in the, in the 70s, both teams. And then you get to the fourth quarter. And, I mean, the, the teams were in the hundreds, but the low hundreds. You're like, okay, uh, we're going to overtime. The end, of, the end of regulation was awesome. It was back and forth, uh, big shots getting hit. Every, no, Not one player on the court was scared of the clutch in this game. Uh, now, when they, got into, when they got into overtime, that's when it got insane. I mean, I saw Contavious Caldwell Pope hit a three off of – off of this role that I've never seen him hit this shot in my life. And he's still quite a few. A lot of times before Reggie Jackson, he was the guy taking the final shot. Uh, I'm going to guess he doesn't have a very high percentage on those. Uh, but he hit some. Jimmy Butler took over at points in the overtimes, and he hit some. Uh, it was it was amazing. And then, you know, third quarter – or third overtime's coming around, and I'm like, okay, it's uh, 10.55. Star Wars starts at 11.15. I have to go. <laughs> Please end. <laughs> like, I can't stay for another overtime. So third third overtime ends. It's eleven o'clock. I'm like, I gotta go. I can't miss Star. I mean, and there's a. I don't know if they have Imagine Theaters out by you, Chris. It's a theater with a recliner. Uh, you sit in the. Oh lane, yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. AMC, they're awesome. AMC's got them. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So so you know we're getting there, and I tell her I go. You have to drive. I mean, she'll drive a lot. She likes to drive. I hate to drive. She likes to drive my truck, so she'll drive a lot. But I'm like, there's 0% chance I'm driving. So I pull out my phone. We're in the truck, and I'm, I have 6%. Uh, so, and my league pass will not go on my phone. I don't know why. Uh, I can't get it to work. I've emailed. I've called. I've done everything. But it will not go on my phone. Uh, so I'm sitting on GameCast with 6% watching, trying to watch this game. Uh, and then we walk into the theater, and there's a little bar in this theater even. It's this huge thing. It's awesome. And I see uh, – it, we actually got there right before the end of the third overtime. Excuse me. And I see that Reggie Jackson missed a shot. He got a rebound. He went down, and he hit, tried to do a little step back, and he missed it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm missing a four-overtime game. Like, this is a <laughs> yeah. once-in-a-lifetime thing. So I get into the theater, and the movie already started. There was no commercials. It was 11.17, and the movie already started. So I was I was angry, and then I'm like, and you know what? They're going to lose, and I'm going to be more mad. And I flipped it on, and they were up by six with two minutes left. 
I saw it on GameCast, and my whole mood changed. And then I saw they won. Uh, it, it put me at ease. Uh, I was also very disappointed I missed it. But, you know, that was just, it was a crazy night. Um, and sure, a lot of people are probably going, that was a crazy night for you. You must not have a lot of fun. <laughs> it, from from a person who's as uh, obsessed with, with the sport of basketball and with the Detroit Pistons as I am, that was one of the most stressful things I've ever gone through. Uh, as far as actual play goes, I mean, this game was amazing. You you said it. There was five whiteboard-worthy performances. Um, you know, there was there was something like 120 rebounds in this game. There was over 280 points, 291 points. Um, Andre Drummond had 33 and 21. I don't I don't give a damn if it takes you four overtimes. If you get 33 and 21, that is one hell of a game. Okay, that is unbelievable. Jimmy Butler, 14 for 16 from the line. There was a point in this game where the Bulls were like 23 for 23 from the free throw, and the Pistons were shooting closer to 50%. It was like, how are they still in this game? Um, The officiating in this game was horrific. Not on the Pistons side, not on the Bulls side, but on both sides. It was horrific, okay? I mean, it was just – Go on to Twitter for the people who were watching this game. You saw, you know it's bad when the Pistons fans are saying, oh, my God, these refs want the Pistons to lose, and when the Bulls fans are saying, oh, my God, these refs want the Bulls to lose. That's when officiating yeah. is really bad. Um, but, you know, the heart on both sides that was shown was, was outstanding. Derrick Rose, stop shooting the ball. Um, this is, I, I feel like every time Derrick Rose scores 30 points, it takes him 30 shots to get there. One of the most amazing things is we're talking about Kobe's shooting percentage being so bad. He's shooting 3% less than Derrick Rose. Only 3%. Derrick Rose is shooting 37%, averaging 14 points, 5 assists, and 3 rebounds. Now, I don't blame his eyes. Don't blame his knees because this is a max, a guy who's on a max contract who this offseason he was already worried about his next contract. Uh, and and it's, yeah. it's, it's things that, you know, he's not good enough anymore. Somebody's going to go out and sign this guy to a pretty decent contract, if not a huge contract, because of the name value, because he won MVP, because every once in a while he'll go out and get you 30 points, no matter if it took 30 shots to get there. Um, I mean, when you look at the next day, I'm surprised they played him with how fragile he is, but as exhausted as the Bulls probably were, you know, as a max contract player, you have to be the one who says, okay, guys, no matter how tired we are, we got to go out and play. He went and scored six points. That's that's unacceptable. And Jimmy Butler as well. He went and, he went out and scored 12 points. These guys have to play better if the Bulls want to be a serious contender in the East because right now they're not. And it, and I don't think it's I don't think it's close. I think there's a few teams ahead of them. You know, if, if I'm in a playoff series, I would take Indiana ahead of them, Miami, Toronto, Detroit, uh, and maybe even Atlanta. All all ahead of the Bulls. Um, but, you know, this is a team, they got beat by a team that has way more heart. Uh, the Bulls probably played the better basketball game, but the Pistons wanted it way more. And I'm not one of those people who thinks the Pistons have the killer instincts and the Bulls didn't want it. The Bulls wanted to win this really bad, but the Pistons were willing to win this more. Uh, as far as a right. team, uh, you know, they had four guys who played 50 minutes, another guy who played 49, uh, and – and they just, I mean, both teams just balled in overtime, which was amazing, but what a great game, man. I can't, I, I could go on forever about this, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, whatever, but this was a great game, uh, and, and you know, it's. I couldn't be more proud of my team, uh, no matter how homer it sounds, to see them come out and, and get a win in a four-overtime game. And it came at the perfect time, and you know how we talk about yeah. I've talked about their schedule all year. They haven't had back yeah. back days off in how long? They don't play against them tomorrow. They, exactly. They they go to four overtimes and they got three days off. It could not have worked out better um, as far as how their schedule shapes up this year. If this would have happened a week and a half ago, they would have been playing on tired legs for the next six seven games because they wouldn't have had back back days off. Now they got the Heat tomorrow, and I really think this could be a big boost for their entire season. You know, uh, I watched the final overtime of this because it got to a point where I left work early. I got off work around like 8.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, so I got off super early. Usually I get off around 10.30 or, or uh, 11.30, and by the time 
uh, it got to about eight o'clock Pacific, my time. I saw, you know, the second overtime. I was like, okay, double overtime, pretty cool. And then I heard is like D Rose did something that he, I think he missed a shot to make it go to a, a third overtime. And then I heard fourth overtime coming. I was like, okay, I'm watching this. Like I have to watch this. If I don't watch this, I feel like I am I am disobeying the 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 gods of basketball. I have to watch the fourth overtime. Was it, it was everything that you just talked about? It was the game by itself was like you said. No one was scared of the clutch moment. Every other shot went in. Jimmy Butler on you know fifty minutes of basketball was making jump shots from mid range at the height of his peak of his of his of his shot and making them still make it look like it was nothing. Um, yeah, guys like, like Derek Rose and other guys on the Pistons coming out and playing well. Like I said, I saw three foul outs in that final OT. Um, it, it was – it felt like watching March Madness basketball or like conference play basketball. That's what it felt like when I watched the final portion of this game. Maybe the intensity wasn't quite there because everyone was, was dog-tired. But when it came to – when it came to just pure basketball, like purist, this game, it, it felt like this would have been a game that never would have ended. I mean, again, it was only a three-point victory considering the point total, 147 to 144. Um, but considering the overtimes that took place, I mean, it, this game really could have gone on forever because both teams weren't missing their, their clutch baskets. They kept making them. The only thing that kept this game – uh, that made this game end really was the fact that teams fouled each other. Honestly, because if teams weren't fouling each other, this game would not have ended the way it should have. And luckily, the Pistons, you're right, the Pistons struggled from the free throw line, but luckily in overtime, especially in that third one, they found the stride, they started making their clutch baskets, and they closed the game out. And they got the victory. And, and unfortunately, the Bulls had to play the next night, and they, got, and they lost. But that was a game to remember, and that might be the game we remember from the entire year. Oh, yeah. Quadruple overtime. Well, I mean, that is that is insane. You don't ever say that. I mean, we've had longer overtime periods in NBA history, but four overtimes is ridiculous. There were some other games in the NBA on Friday night. Uh, what's up? You were, I mean, and just, just to add to it, you were about six inches away from a Jimmy Butler shot that, that could have went in. Yeah. And I, you know, before that shot, they would, Jimmy Butler made a three that he, you can argue that he got fouled on. And just a real quick oh, yeah. point before we move on, and this might be me just trying to gloat. The Pacers play the Spurs tonight. I'm going to guess that's a loss. Okay? They will be jumped by four teams. If the Pacers lose to the Spurs and the Pistons beat the Miami Heat tomorrow, the Pistons are in second place in the Eastern Conference. Just trying to explain how big of a win that was, not just be a homer. I am trying to be a homer right. to show you guys that the Pistons are back, but Think about how huge of a win that is. If they win tomorrow, they have a pretty good shot to be in second place in the Eastern Conference. Well, if you'd like to call in and then talk about this uh, Eastern Conference, it's insane. Three two three six four two one five five eight. If you know basketball, prove it. Go to FanDuel.com today and join and get in. Get in with the action. There's a ton of games on tonight. Obviously, we got three games, three three days of basketball this week, uh, heading up to Christmas Day. On Friday, this is Christmas week here on the Hooper's Log, episode 34 today on Monday. But I wanted to re recap and get into some things real quick. Um, I, I will, believe me, this is a big-time teaser for tomorrow, but tomorrow I'm really going to get into depth about why this Eastern Conference is kind of fool's gold. And this weekend was a proof of that. It was. This, this weekend proved that, that I think the Eastern Conference looks better than we think. I'll get into that more um, tomorrow because there's a lot to get to today and a lot of things that happened over the weekend but real quickly I'll skim through these these scores Pacers beat the Nets on Friday these are December 18th games Pacers beat the beat the uh Nets on Friday 104 to 97 uh Magic beat the Trailblazers 102 to 94 apparently Damian Lillard's been playing on plantar fasciitis as of late uh hopefully he can get back to normal form and play well he had a wipe worthy performance on on Sunday but we'll get to that in just a moment. Knicks beat the 76ers 107-97. Sixers had 27 losses as of that game. Hawks beat the Celtics 109-101. Raptors beat the Heat 108-94. Again, the quadruple overtime game we just mentioned. Timberwolves beat the Kings 99-95. Interesting game in that one. Andrew Wiggins had an outstanding game, 32 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 54 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. That was an interesting game from the standpoint of I don't think anyone expected the, the Timberwolves to win that one considering the Kings have been playing so much better as of late 
then the game of the night when it came to pre you know when it outside of you know when it came to preview previewing wise Spurs and Clippers I I watched this one I tell you this Spurs team I, I don't know if, if the Warriors weren't as hot playing as hot as they have been I don't know if there's another team in basketball you want to face right now. The Spurs team is playing off their rocker well. They scored 60 points in the second half of this ball game and destroyed the Clippers going into the fourth quarter. They played an outstanding basketball game. Uh, Chris Paul, though, had a whiteboard-worthy performance. 27 points, 10 assists, 2 rebounds, 3 steals, 52 on the whiteboard-worthy performance scale. And then an oddity. Grizzlies and Mavericks and Nuggets and Jazz. Same score. Mavericks win 97-88 over the Grizzlies. And Jazz beat the Nuggets 97-88. In Utah, interesting one there. Suns beat the Pelicans, one hundred four to eighty-eight, um, and then you had, uh, and in that one, Eric Bledsoe had a whiteboard with a performance: twenty-nine points, nine assists, four rebounds, and two steals, a fifty-three on the whiteboard with the performance scale. And then the Warriors get their twenty-sixth win of the season, beating the Bucks, over uh, overcoming that that loss that they had, their only loss of the season so far, winning one twenty-one to one twelve. Steph Curry whiteboard with the performance there. 56 on the whiteboard the performance skill, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals. One assist shy of a triple-double. I want to jump into college basketball real quick before we get to these other NBA scores and these games over the weekend. Um, again, I wanted to mention something with this NCAA. It's, it's been insane. I mean, this weekend was insane. There were so many upsets, so many big-time things that happened. In a CBS Sports Classic, Ohio State beat University of Kentucky 74-67. to Kentucky was ranked number four in the nation. They've now lost two games on the year. And losing to Ohio State is very odd considering Ohio State doesn't necessarily have the talent that they've had in years past. And losing to, in UK losing to a team like this is an oddity. In a high-V Big Four classic, Northern Illinois University beats number five Iowa State 81-79. to Number five Iowa State getting knocked off. They're blocked there. Wes Washpun, a name we've mentioned before, 28.7 rebounds, 11 assists for the Northern Illinois uh, team there, Northern Iowa team, excuse me, 28.7 rebounds, 11 assists, 57 on the whiteboard with a performance scale, an unbelievable game by him, and they needed every single bit of it to get the victory in that one. Utah beating Duke, 77-75 in Duke, number seven, the Emeritus Insurance Classic, another one of those random classics that we've heard of. The first time, and this is this is crazy news. The first time in college basketball history that Duke and Kentucky have lost on the same day, ever. Wow! Think about that. That is that is crazy, crazy newsworthy stuff right there. I mean, I, I, it's number four team, number seven team losing, and they're both they both were at home, by the way. So this is just um just a nutso weekend before we get into conference play starting here in about a week and a half. Butler also beat Purdue. That was an outstanding ranked game. It was still an upset. Butler was ranked 17th. Purdue ranked 9th. Butler winning 74-68 over Purdue. Baylor, again, getting upset by Texas A&M, 80-61. Texas A&M ranked 24th. Baylor ranked 16th. A Big 12 matchup there, an upset. And then Virginia beating Villanova, a fantastic matchup there in the Big East, 86-75. Virginia getting the victory, number 8 over number 12. And then another another uh, CBS Sports Classic there with UNC beating UCLA, 89-76. UNC ranked 11th uh, as of last week, and then UCLA ranked 22nd. Um, an injury to report in the world of college basketball real quick. Denzel Valentine apparently has injured himself, and he will be out two to three weeks for the Michigan State Spark. That is a huge loss considering we are now entering conference play over the next couple of weeks here. And uh, to begin conference play, I don't think he's going to have that big of an impact early on in conference play, which is where he'll be out, but it could still impact them to the point where they might struggle early on. They're the number one team still ranked in the AP Top 25 that just came out hot off the press, hot off the press as of right now. We got them right here in front of us. Michigan State. 12-0, 12-0, number one in the nation, Kansas at number two, 9-1. Oklahoma, just going to fly through it real quick. Oklahoma at three, Maryland at four, Virginia five, Xavier six. North Carolina jumped back in after that victory over UCLA at number seven, Arizona. Number eight, Butler at number nine, and Providence number 10. As you can tell, Duke and Kentucky are out of the top, tw- out of the top 10. Kentucky at number 12. Iowa State also fell out of the top 10, losing to Northern Iowa. They're at number 11. Miami's at number 13, Purdue 14, Duke 15, Louisville 16. Villanova's at 17. SMU is at 18. They're hovering around there. They're one of the few undefeated teams left as we move forward a little bit. Uh, West Virginia at 19. George Washington at 20. Texas A&M leaped up after being number 25. They're now 21. Cincinnati 
22, Baylor 23, Utah 24, and South Carolina 25. Utah also lost over the weekend. They did not play too well. I, I, I forget who they lost to. But uh, they, oh, that's right. No, Utah won over Duke. So they're, excuse me, Utah beat Duke. So now they're in the top 25 after that victory. I know, Andrew, you haven't been paying attention to the college basketball landscape as of late, but this Denzel Valentine injury, what does it mean for this team and what does it mean for Tom Izzo's squad going forward? Yeah, this is one team that I uh, have been paying pretty good attention to. Um, I just went through their schedule while you were talking there. I mean, they don't play a ranked team forever. I didn't even get to it. I was going day by day. Um, I was in towards the end of January, and they still don't even play a ranked team. Best team they play is Iowa until towards the end of January. So, you know, just just take their – Tom Izzo has this weird thing. He always has injured players, but his teams always rise up. Uh, and it's we we do have some unfortunate breaking news here in the football world that I just want to get to real quick that I literally just got sent to me, uh, and it's oh this is terrible this makes my chest hurt. Uh, the guy who has gotten over all the personal issues um, has doubted all the people who said he is too small or not good enough to play in the NFL. Tyron Matthew. He is out for the season again. He is once again tore his ACL. Uh, so he is, he's done, which the second time in his young career. It's terrible because he just got he just got over all all the the bad off the field stuff. So that's that's just terrible to hear. Yeah, you have bad stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, and to be honest, to be honest, this Arizona team is going to be fine defensively uh, going forward in the NFL. Um, they're gonna be fine. They're 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 a fantastic team. They're twelve and two. They're going into the they're they're going into the postseason more known for their offense than they are with their defense. Now it's not to say that their defense isn't vaunted and isn't isn't threatening, but I don't think they're really gonna win games in the postseason when it comes to their defense more than it is that their offense is going to carry them. They're more of an offensively based uh, squad than they are defensively, but still a big blow there when it comes to the secondary on that team. Uh, anything else in the world of college basketball, Andrew? Before we move forward. No, yeah, just to finish up my thoughts. Sorry, I got a little off track there. But to finish up my thoughts, oh, Tom Izzo will get these guys playing at the top of their game. He always does. Um, you know, it's it's a great team with a with an all-time great coach. So, you know, they'll be fine, uh, and hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I'm excited because, like you said, uh, the world of college basketball is coming soon to the point where we're getting the conference play. And as you heard, we heard some conference play starting this past weekend, but it's really going to amp up here after the holiday weekend. Um, you're starting to see it already. I mean, tomorrow we have some ranked games. We'll get into those a little more tomorrow. But definitely after the holiday season, Louisville and Kentucky launch on December 26th on Saturday. And that will be the start of conference play throughout the country. And that's when we really start to see the big-time matchups in college basketball. Real quickly, let's recap these games over the weekend in the NBA uh, before we move forward. Um, and on Saturday, we had five games. Uh, only one wiper-worthy performance on a, on, a, uh, on a Saturday over the weekend. John Wall had the only wiper-worthy performance. Uh, Wizards beat the Hornets 109-101. to John Wall 27 points, 12 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals of 58 on the whiteboard with the performance scale. He went off, and he got the victory there. Hunt Thunder destroyed the Lakers. Blowout City, 118-78. to The Thunder destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are now 4-23 and on the season. The Knicks beat the just-exhausted Bulls from the night before. 107-91 there. Carmelo Anthony, 27 points and 7 rebounds. Rockets beat the Clippers, and Chris Paul had some interesting comments after that ball game. He said something to the degree of, we're not a team that people are worried about. That's a problem. I agree with you, Chris Paul. You're 16 and 12. Your team should be much better than what they are. And the Houston Rockets, they keep – the Houston Rockets are going to end up, if they keep playing this way, they're going to be the most underachieving basketball team of the season. You have all these Dwight Howard rumors going around. You have James Harden and his comments and just this team in general, the Rockets. These two teams, we both picked Andrew to face really – in the Western Conference Finals this year, and one team is way off their rocker. The Clippers are a team that is, is, is inconsistent, but they're starting to finally catch their stride. But when you lose to teams like this, the Rockets, who finally decide to show up in that game, it just still scratches your head on both these teams because I just think they're both so talented, but maybe they just don't have the killer instinct that we thought. 
What is your thoughts on this game, and what were your thoughts from, from both these teams so far to this point going into Christmas week? You there? I think you muted your headphones. I always there, do it. Andrew? I do it every I do I it every it. single show. Uh, I knew it. <laughs> both of these teams are really, really frustrating. From the case of uh, you know these are these are teams that can create great playoff series when they're at the top of their games, and that's really when I look at the Western Conference, that's my biggest concern um, because obviously the team both the teams I root for are in the Eastern Conference. So when I look at the Western Conference, I want the best possible playoff series, um, and, and uh, the Clippers at the top of their game and Houston at the top of their game. Now mix that with Golden State, San Antonio, and Oklahoma City. Those are those are great playoffs. That's when you get Spurs versus Clippers in the first round, which a lot of people looked at as a negative. I looked at it as a positive. Get it kicked off right off best the bat. Best game seven. You know, best game seven I've seen in a long time in in in, in the NBA. It was one of the best game oh, sevens I've ever heart, seen. Back and forth. The, the fourth quarter, I could. I could watch that fourth quarter every day, and, and and even though my Spurs lost, I could watch that fourth quarter, and I will be, I will be jacked beyond all jacked. That was unbelievable basketball in that game seven, that fourth quarter. So back to your point. Yeah, and you know if if the Clippers came into the playoffs this year the way they did last year, which is still possible. Oh yeah. Uh, you know they oh, yeah. can have a series like that, but if if this Clippers team went and played San Antonio right now, seven game series, they might go five, maybe. This Rockets yeah. team went and played the Clippers. Uh, you know that might go seven, but it'd be an ugly seven. It'd be just yeah. Non- it wouldn't. It'd be a seven. It'd be like the five. It'd be like last year, like if the Wizards and the Raptors went seven. Like it wouldn't be a great seven game series. It might be good, uh, but it'd be underwhelming. Yeah. It, it 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 would be, you know, wouldn't be the best thing you ever watched. Um, and those are just two comparable teams in my mind as far as where they're at in this season compared to last. Um, you know, and I want these teams. Think about it. Houston was this two seed last year. This, this and it's not like they were ragdolls or anything. This team was this team was on the verge of being great last year, and they did it with a ton right. of injuries. Uh, James Harden led this team, and you thought there's only room to grow because they're going to be healthy, and it hasn't worked. And and I don't really know why. I've tried to figure it out. I know the the chemistry issues might be a problem, but. To look at six much worse is just odd. The Clippers, uh, a lot of it's the bench. Um, you know, you, I can't tell if the chemistry is still there with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, who knows? That relationship might have got ruined. That's probably just stupid speculation that I've read a little bit about. But, right. you know, they, right. they've just underwhelmed 16 and 12. You know, if, if I came in this year and I told you the Clippers would be a half game better than the Mavericks almost 30 games in, you would think I was crazy. Not because the Mavericks were that bad, because the Clippers were that good. Uh, if I told you they'd only be four, four games over 500, 28 games in, you'd think I was crazy. Uh, but that's what they've yeah. performed as. And, and now, you know, the one seed's obviously out of the conversation um, for everybody but the Spurs and the Warriors. Um, and, and they've just they've underwhelmed on both sides, and they're two teams that need to pick it up, not, not just for their sake, but for basketball's sake and the playoffs' sake. Yeah, it's it, these two teams like like we've mentioned before over the last week or so have really underperformed. The Houston Rockets as of last week, I and I still stand by this. I don't believe in them anymore. And and I was a team coming into this season and the off season especially saying, look, this is a team that could go into the postseason right now, you know, as of last year and in the off season that could really come out and dominate. And the only reason they didn't dominate against uh, Golden State last year was, first of all, Golden State was on a mission. Second of all, Houston had just come back from three straight wins to play to beat the, the Los Angeles Clippers, which was a brutal stretch of basketball for them. And then they go and play the Warriors, who had just had a whole bunch of rest, and they got dominated. That, that's going to happen. Um, and we thought coming into this year that they would be energized to play this year and play better. And clearly that's not the case. And I don't know what that kind of mentality that is for this team. And that worries me a little bit when it comes to that perspective, you mentioned the standings and outside of the Houston Rockets really below them. It's a cluster. You know what? In the Western conference, Utah is number eight. Phoenix is right there below them in the ninth spot at 12 and 17. Denver is 11 and 16. It's really ugly at the bottom portion of the Western conference um, this season. That's not to say that Utah isn't playing great. They don't have a Rudy Gobert and they're still in the playoff seating. What does that say about the Western conference? 
and their capabilities this season. And again, the Eastern Conference, I'll get into that more tomorrow about the Eastern Conference. But Andrew, I have one question for you. Uh, what does thirty-five grand mean to you? What does thirty-five thousand dollars mean to you? A home, a home, <laughs> uh, a, a brand new truck. Um, you know, it could, it could do some things for you. You, you could put it in your college savings fund. It's a, it's a semester. It's a, it's a year of college. Uh, it's food. It's, well, you know, to Paul George, it's a bunch of curse words. Now, I wish I had the sound, but honestly, when it came to his opinion on that game on Friday when the when the Pacers lost to the Grizzlies uh ninety six to eighty four. His words were perfect. And granted he said a curse word. He said the refs were terrible. He said a different word than that, but but he's right. And the refs were god awful. And you mentioned a point in the Detroit uh Bulls game where the refs were terrible. I honestly think Paul George was just referring to the entire league. The refs have just been awful in the NBA. You mentioned it last week when we talked about how the refs are now are now reacting to the players' bodies and what they're doing. But finally, uh, some players had the balls, and, and, and Paul George really is the guy to do it, considering his nature and how he played. He's the guy to really say this kind of thing. And, and for him to say that the refs have been, been terrible and that, they, that the league needs to do something about it, I applaud him for it. Now, he, he clearly put himself out there. He lost some money, but at the same time, with his statements and what he said, I thought they were spot on and I thought they were accurate. What did you think from Paul George's statements and what did you see from this Pacers team over the weekend? Yeah, it's amazing how people react when uh, Paul George says something about the the refs. He's a he's a hero, and when you know LeBron says something about the refs, uh, he's, right. he's a whiny baby. But but I digress. Um, you know, it, he's right. And I don't know if it's just with social media. We hear it so much more. We know about it so much more. Uh, you know, everything, every little call that's missed is a big deal. And it's it's this way, and it's getting this way in all sports where it just feels like 50% of the calls are wrong. Uh, I think the football, the NFL, is by far the worst officiating. I don't think they know their own rule book. I think they kind of make it up as they go, and then we figure out later if they were right or wrong. Um, NBA, so much of it is judgment and, you know, it is reacting because the speed of the game is unreal. Uh, so, you know, I feel like it'd probably be the second hardest sport to officiate, uh, behind umpiring a baseball game, but it's just, I, I want to, I wish for one game I could just watch a ref cam the whole time and make every call and then see, what he agreed or disagreed on because, you know, it's just, I I can't say he's right or he's wrong until, you know, I didn't watch this whole game. So, and, and I'm not an NBA official. I don't get paid, you know, great money to run up and down a basketball court, and blow a whistle. Um, it, it's something that I wish I had the opportunity to try just so I could see what it's like. But, you know, I, I do think Paul George, is in the right to get his point across here because it's something that has to improve from what we have the ability to see. Yeah, and I think that he was I think that he was he was spot on with I mean granted he was he was emotional immediately after a, a big loss to the Memphis Grizzlies and I don't blame him for being emotional. I mean his team just got their butts kicked on on Saturday and for him to be emotional, I don't think anyone can fault him for that. And I don't think anyone can fault him for the fact that he cursed on TV. They can always bleep it out on TV. They have the option to do so. They just chose not to because look, it was live television. They didn't want to. They didn't feel like doing it. And uh, that's that's the price you pay, and unfortunately he's paying a, paying a pretty hefty fine uh, considering of, of his choices of words and choices of action. Um, but considering this Pacers team, and I have more – are you doing okay there, Andrew? Yeah, is, is it rattling? It's rattling. It's rattling a little bit. Um, you know who else is getting rattled is the 76ers. They lose again on Sunday, last night, 108-86 to to the – Cleveland Cavaliers, who are now 18-7, and leading the Eastern Conference. And Kyrie Irving came back, and he played pretty well. I believe he had 12 points, a couple of assists here. A guy came out and, and, and definitely missed his first four shots. But the guy came out and played well, did not play rattled at all. And you saw LeBron James really take a conservative effort to this one, considering, again, playing the 76ers, 
not really needing to come out and play great because, like I've said, I don't think I've seen a team need to come out and play outstanding against a team like the 76ers, and they're really kind of the litmus test for how hard you need to play that night because they're just a terrible team. Uh, Cavaliers, 18-7, 76ers, 1-28, still just, just, just playing awful. Minnesota getting the victory over the Nets, 185. Um, the, the, the Timberwolves are now – are now 11 and 16 as of this game, and the Minnesota Timberwolves are—they um, had a wipe away the performance in that one. Ricky Rubio, 15 assists, eight points, two rebounds, and four steals. Uh, Damian Lillard also had a wipe away the performance this uh, last night as the Trailblazers lose to the Heat, 116 to 109. Damian Lillard also fighting plantar fasciitis apparently. 32 points, nine assists, and two rebounds. A 52 on the wipe worthy performance skill. Ricky Rubio had 15 assists. That's the reason why he got a wipe worthy performance. 15 assists, 8 points, 2 rebounds, and 4 steals, which is a 44. Not good enough, but 15 assists will always get you on. Uh, Tyreek Evans, in a in a win over the Denver Nuggets last night, got a uh, honorable mention wipe worthy performance. 21 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 rebounds short of a triple-double, but a 49 on the wipe worthy performance skill. He got up there as well. Kings beating the Raptors last night at 104-94. Hawks beating the Magic. Uh, Bucks also beating the Suns. Some sad news coming down from the Bucks as kid, Jason Kidd apparently needs hip surgery considering, uh, you know, obviously his, his rough playing career in the NBA. This guy is going to be out indefinitely, apparently. Who knows what that's going to lead this team. They're now 11-18 and 18 in a just packed Eastern Conference. I don't know if they can recover from this. Andrew, what do you think from this from this Milwaukee Bucks team? And what do you think they can do from here on out as they move forward? Yeah, this is a team I predicted for 33 wins to start in, in our preseason predictions. Um, they're on pace And, and really, that, yeah, that's, that's the kind of team they're looking like. Uh, you know, we're about a third of the way through the season. They get 11 wins. Um, and... and you know, when they traded ever since they traded Brandon Knight last year, they've been the second worst team in the Eastern Conference behind Philadelphia in, in this year yep. and last year since Brandon Knight combined. Uh, you know, Greg Monroe on top of it, he's not he's not good on defense. He's horrible on defense. He's he's got good post moves. Uh we've talked about him at length. I'm not gonna get into all that. It's just a team that's not meshing right now. And I don't think the personnel's gonna mesh. I was not a fan of Jason Kidd going into last year as a coach. Um, do I think it's something that improved last year? Yes. Do I think it improved as much as so many people thought? No. I think this team clicked. Uh, I think this team was coached well, not great. And I think that I think everything kind of came together last year for them to go from a 16-win team to a playoff team. Now I think they're kind of coming back down to earth where they're still in rebuild mode. They still got to find the right pieces. And if they get a Brandon, another Brandon Knight, don't trade him. Okay, don't go out and trade Giannis. Don't go out and trade Jabari. You know, it, it's a team that to a lot has been disappointing. Uh, you know, and and if you really looked into it at the beginning of the year, didn't just look at names who they signed, who's coming back, and really looked into how the play, pieces fit together. Remember, building these rosters is a puzzle. If you're missing one piece, the whole thing can can go. You, you know, you're not going to finish it without that one piece. Uh, it's like it's a ladder that's missing three steps. You're not going to get up to the next part. Um, right. And that, that one part is so important that, you know, trading Brandon Knight, not having a good defensive center, that is going to kill you. Um, they went from they went from they still have a ton of length, but they don't utilize it correctly. Um, and it, it's because their person, they're slow. They're very slow. Uh, they don't shoot the three ball. Today's NBA, you've got to shoot the three ball. The shot is worth one and a half times a normal shot. It, it's pretty easy math to know why you have to use the three ball. They don't do it. They scored 70 points in a half this season. They had less than two – or they had two three-pointers made, which is insane. Uh, but, yeah. you know, this is a team that hasn't put it together. I don't think they're going to. I think they have to sit down and really realize that, and, you know, these people have egos, so it's going to be hard, but they have to sit down and really realize we're still in rebuild mode. We're not there yet. We've got to put the pieces together the right way. Yeah, clearly what they're doing this year appears to be what looked like last year as a giant overachieving season last year when in reality it was just another rebuild year and they're still in rebuild mode. I was clearly duped by the fact that I thought that this team was going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference coming into this year. 
And uh, looking at it now, it looks like they really still are in a giant rebuild situation, and last year was more of a mirage than anything else. I forgot to mention performance of the night last night. Good Lord. Off the bench, wiper with the performance of the night. Will Barton for the Denver Nuggets, and they lost oh, the yeah. Pelicans 130-125. to 32 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists, so 454 in the wiper with the performance. Game. This guy has really come out of nowhere and he's been playing outstanding off the bench for this team. He might even find himself in a starting role. And at this rate, if he doesn't start, you're looking at sixth man of the year so far. What do you what have you seen from Will Barton as of late there, Andrew? Yeah, I think sixth man of the year is, is right there. And it, it'd be so refreshing because, you know, this guy's not a, a fantastic defender, but he's not just a chucker. Um, he's shooting 46%, averaging 15 points. He's getting six rebounds. He's a guy who wants to come out and play ball and win. Uh, and, you know, we've seen the sixth man of the year has been such an embarrassing award for the NBA. It's just been whoever scores the most points off the bench wins, and it's been yeah, terrible because, you know, you get people like Lou Williams who's being completely exposed this year in a Lakers uniform who just aren't good or, you know, they're almost toxic for their teams that are winning it. Uh, Nick Young always in the conversation for it. Jamal Crawford, who's not good anymore. He might have some good nights, some good plays. He's not good anymore. He's always in the conversation no matter how old he gets. Uh, but Will Barton is a guy who plays the game the right way. He hustles. He, he's he's going to take you know his fair share of shots, um, but he's not going to be chucking them. He took 25 shots last night, but he shot 50%. Um he he was seven for eleven from three. Seven for eleven. He was five for fourteen from from inside the three point line. But seven for eleven is insane. This guy right now, if he's not the sixth man of the year, I couldn't pinpoint one who's been better off the top of my head. But uh, him and this even this Nuggets team, uh, no matter what their record says, they are at this point uh, eleven and sixteen. They're only a game out of the playoffs right now. So don't count them out. Uh, especially if you're going to have a, a a spark off the bench like he is. And, uh, you know, it, he's he's my pick as of right now. It can change any day, especially the sixth man. But as of right now, he's my pick for sixth man. Yeah, and youth is on their side in Denver. And all they, and all, all they have is to go up with Fareed, obviously, a guy who can jump and grab rebounds, the Manimal, and, and a guy in Emmanuel Moutier who's getting better with, with time. Um, it, that team is getting better over time. Speaking of good shooting guards, and I know Will Bolton's more of a small forward. He's, he plays shooting guard from time to time. But Clay Thompson made a statement over the over the weekend that was baffling to me. And, and I, I guess it's not too baffling if you really start to break it down. But it was interesting. He he called himself the best shooting guard in the NBA. He said, "We're twenty six and one, and I have confidence in myself." Now. If you really start to think about it, he is a top five shooting guard. But when it comes to being number one right now, as it stands, who I think of as number one is Jimmy Butler. And I think I don't think it's too far fetched to think that Jimmy Butler is the best shooting guard in the NBA. I think the guy who has the most empty stats in the NBA, who who is kind of a false advertising of the great best shooting guard in the NBA, is James Harden. Because James Harden can put the ball in the hoop, but when it comes to impacting his team, he can't do any of that. And uh, when it comes to the rest of the players, he can't really do that. He's kind of a lot like, and I, and I love Russell Westbrook, but the young Russell Westbrook, that's kind of what James Harden reminds me of. He's, he's a guy who doesn't really impact his team. He just goes out and scores buckets and, and, and gets his false, faulty assists. So that's kind of what he reminds me of. But, but Clay Thompson stating he's the number one shooting guard in the league. What's your take on that, Andrew? Well, I think Clay Thompson's kind of turning himself into a joke. Um, and I, I'm not yeah. one who I, – I want players to come out and say they're the best shooting guard. Uh, you know, but when he comes out and he, he starts talking about this and he starts talking about, uh, you know, we wish they would have had a little bit more class when they won. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He, he's starting to sound like a kind of a, just a whiny little baby, man. And it's it's it might give my bias towards Golden State, where I just don't like most of them. But he is he is so you know I look at these guys on this team. Draymond Green talks trash the right way. He makes you mad. He gets in your head. Yeah. He bugs you. Steph Curry he does, he he doesn't talk trash. He uh, acts. The way he acts would get in your head and make you mad. I was so nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, this is easy kind of feel to him. Clay Thompson mm-hmm. does the opposite. Clay Thompson's that kid in high school 
where if he kissed a girl, he went and told every single play or every single person he ever met, guess <laughs> who I kissed? Guess who I kissed? Uh, he, you know, he, he, uh, he needs this, this spotlight and it's in a different way than the rest of his team. That team is still with spotlight getters, but in the right way. He is one who, you know, he knows he's third fiddle on this team now, and he's doing whatever he can to jump back up and be the second best on that team when he's not. I mean, he he's not. Draymond Green is a better basketball player than Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson, oh, when yeah. he's on fire, might be the best offensive player in the league, but, you know, he has so many down spells. Uh, I mean, this last week he's been amazing, averaging over 30 points a game. But that's going to slow down. He's going to average maybe 20, 21 points a game towards the end of the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just choked on my uh, breath. Not even going to spit right there. But he's a guy who, uh, you know, he, he's he's frustrating. He he doesn't like, He's averaging 19 points a game. 19 points, two and a half assists, and three and a half rebounds. Uh, he compared to James Harden, 28, six, and six. Uh, he's shooting about 6% better from the field, but he also has Clay Thompson on his side, or excuse me, Steph Curry on his side to draw attention, Draymond Green to draw attention, Andre Iguodala to draw attention, where James Harden is Dwight Howard, and that's about it. Um, you know, you put Clay Thompson on the on the Rockets, and they might have six wins. You put you put James Harden on the, on the Warriors, they're way better than they are right now. Um, Clay Thompson's a lot better on defense, obviously, but the amount the amount in which that James Harden is better on offense makes up for that. His teammates, you know, they can have plays off on offense a lot of the time, and you know we talk about ISO in a negative way so often. But you also got to remember when this guy can take somebody one on one, three, four possessions in a row, his team's going to get down and play a lot better defense. And that might that's flawed logic in a lot of ways, but. But if you're looking yeah. at it logically, it does help. And he, he might be the best ISO player in the entire NBA. Um, him, Kyrie, Steph, they're all up there. So, Clay Thompson, I, I got him third, um, you know, maybe fourth. I'm still a huge DeMar DeRozan fan, even though I think me and you kind of were into a rude awakening. We found out a lot of people don't like him. But, <laughs> you know, I think, right. uh, I think James Harden and Jimmy Butler are, are pretty far ahead. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's interesting to hear him make these comments, especially considering how how I'd say mediocre the shooting guard position is as of late. I mean, obviously Kobe Bryant's not the best anymore. Jordan's not there anymore. Um, Dwayne Wade is clearly not anywhere near the top five shooting guards anymore. But um, it's interesting to hear him make those comments, especially consider like you know Demar Derozan, James Harden. Um, another couple of guys that you can mention, uh, they're, they're out there. And, and for him to say he's number one, it's just it's kind of odd. He didn't even make first-team All-NBA last year. And for him to say that he's a number one shooting guard is kind of a, kind of a weird head-scratcher there. Um, some, com- some, some, some cool things going on off the court in the, in the world of basketball. Um, candidates for the 2016 Hall of Fame have been announced. Uh, Cheryl Swoops is out there, Rebecca Lobo. Obviously, the new rules of four years out is is in play. Shaquille O'Neal, Allen Iverson, Yao Ming, all these guys are in for the Hall of Fame. It's really fun to see, and it's really interesting to uh, to, to dissect uh, as time goes forward. And we'll and we'll and we'll break that down as time goes forward. But that was announced earlier today. Um, another thing here through CLNS, real quick, um, David Lee is apparently being talked about in trade talks for the Boston Celtics. Now, what's what's weird about this is that look. The Boston Celtics are a team that is developing, that are developing and growing into something better than they have over the last three years. They've gotten better every single year, and for them to talk trade talks about guys like David Lee or any other guys for that matter is interesting. Because what are they going to get for this guy that's going to make them that much better than they were before? Andrew, can you can you get a take on this on what this potentially could mean for them? No, I you know they might be get. I I don't get it. I, I'm trying to put my right. work together here, but he's a veteran. Uh, I'm not sure what his contract situation is right now. I'm not sure if he's still in that big contract, but they're not going to go get anybody I, unless they're getting Boogie Cousins and they got to clear some space and they'd be willing to give up another first round pick outside of it. If he does, if he is still on the big contract, I'm not sure what his contract is. You're not going to be able to pull in much. Um, and I don't think whoever you do pull in is going to be worth losing that veteran leadership, even if it's say a second round pick. Uh, I really don't. Um, if 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 uh, David Lee's requesting it, that's a whole different story. Um, 
my boss is outside my truck putting cones around it right now for everybody to wonder if he's locking me in here. <laughs> but sorry, sorry for the interruption. Uh he uh you know, he, you're not gonna get much back for him and I think he's worth keeping for the veteran leadership unless you need to get rid of him to get booked. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're going to have to get something much better than a guy and David Lee. Um, obviously, if they're going to trade him away, because as of now, that team is pretty well set in stone for what they're made. Uh, let's preview tonight's games real quick. Uh, and we also got a college football game to get to as well as obviously tonight is another college football game. Andrew, how's your college football uh, thing looking for you? I forgot to fill it out in our ESPN thing, so I'm an idiot. Um, I, I thought I saved it. I guess I never submitted it. But my family won. I was undefeated in day one against the spread. So I'm in a pretty good mood about that because the winner of that gets pretty close to $1,000. So I am, uh, I'm feeling good. Unfortunately, it was my first, what was it, five games, I think. Uh, it was my one, two, three, four, and five-point game. Um, because I said I give up because every year I do terrible. So I'm going to pick the teams <laughs> I like, the teams that I think right off the top of my head will win, and I'm going to put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way down to 40. We only did 40. Uh, you know, we didn't count the second rounds, and we didn't count that first weird bowl game that was on with North Carolina AT&T or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> so we, we uh, uh, I, I was undefeated, though, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, and uh, today is the Miami Beach Bowl on Monday, December 21st. Uh, it's going on right now. Western Kentucky just got the ball. About eight minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, Western Kentucky and South Florida. Should be a fun one there in, in the Miami Beach Bowl. I think I got South Florida winning that one. What do you think in that one, Andrew? Yeah, I picked South Florida. Um, I'm not going to fool everybody and act like I'm some pro who can tell you how good or good and how bad South Florida is because I haven't watched South Florida and everybody listening, you haven't watched South Florida. Um, so go yeah, ahead, absolutely take your pick, guess on it. It's against the spread. You have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. I don't think the players on South Florida could tell you who's going to win this game because uh, they probably don't pay attention to their own games. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I got South Florida in a complete guess just because I've seen – you know, they, they've been on more than – who are they playing again? Um, they're playing Western Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're – I mean, come on. <laughs> Who's on more, Western Kentucky or South Florida? So I just right. took, I just yeah. took South Florida. PN17 yeah, is where you'll see the game. Yeah, right, exactly. It, this is a time of year where you get the bad bowl games, and then once Christmas is over, you start to get them better and better and better. We get nine games in the NBA tonight. Real quick, let me break them down for you. Kings at Wizards should be a fun one to watch there. John Wall and Rajon Rondo, two fun guys to watch. Wizards are favored by two and a half. Take the Wizards by the two and a half. Timberwolves and Celtics, a CLNS matchup. Boston's favored by eight. Do not take the eight points. Minnesota, take the plus eight for them. Magic and Knicks should be a fun one in the Garden. Good one there. Uh, I think the Knicks will get the victory. They're favored by three. Take the three points. They'll get it there. Trailblazers and Hawks. Hawks are favored by 11. Take the 11. They're going to dominate tonight. Damian Lillard apparently injured. Uh, They should get the win there in in Atlanta. Nets and Bulls. Bulls are coming back still from that quadruple overtime game. I think they'll be finally rested and get the victory. They're favored by 10.5. Don't take the 10.5. Take the Nets plus 10.5. Hornets and Rockets. Hornets are not favored. Take the Hornets. Hornets plus 2.5. Houston's favored by two and a half. Do not take them. Take the Hornets. Pacers and Spurs. Game of the night by far. No debate. I'll be watching this one. Pacers and Spurs. Spurs are favored by nine. Take take the plus nine. The Pacers should keep that one close. I think the Spurs will win, but they'll keep it closer than that. Suns and Jazz. Jazz are favored by four. Take the Jazz. I know that Rudy Gobert isn't there, but take them. And then the other game of the night, uh, Thunder and Clippers. That should be a big-time matchup. Oklahoma City's favored by two. Uh, Take the Oklahoma City Thunder. They should get the victory there. Andrew, what do you think from tonight? Yeah, the Bulls, I don't think they're going to be rested. The third game in four days and the first game of those three where it was a quadruple overtime. I am stacking the nets if you're playing FanDuel and stay away from Derrick Rose. Um, You know, Suns-Jazz battle for the eighth seed really, uh, you know, that could be a fun game. I think the Suns are a game and a half out. Uh, Spurs-Pacers behind Thunder Clippers, my game of the night. I think this one could be sneaky good. Uh, Pacers have that feel about them of a really, really, really good team when they've been. I mean, they've been good, not great, but they have this feel of like this this uh, world beater, um, especially when they go against big teams. So I think that's interesting. But I think the Clippers are going to dismantle the Thunder. I think Chris Paul 
has unleashed a fury on like, and he's he's ripped before. He has ripped on some players, but I think he has probably gone on a tirade. And you're going to see a different Clippers team tonight. Well, that's well, we got about ten seconds left in the show. We'll just we'll just get get through it real quick. You know, we'll just go through our final minute. Uh, again, episode thirty-four is in the books. We'll go to episode. Episode 35. Holy crap, that got loud. Uh, um, episode 35 tomorrow. It's a anniversary show. I will uh, break down kind of the anniversary and what, what the anniversary will be about. We have episode 35 tomorrow on top of we will talk about players of the week. Those should be announced here any moment. Um, any other breaking news, we'll recap what happened in the world of basketball, preview the next day, and talk about whatever happened. go, Andrew, we're out of here. Yeah, peace. All right, peace, everybody. Enjoy the basketball tonight. Definitely tune into those couple of games we mentioned. Tune into them and watch them. And, and obviously, go out and shop. It is the holiday season. Enjoy yourself. <laughs>